expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Welcome to the show. Hey, Dave Fleming. Hey, Monty. Oh no, we've lost it. Welcome to Inside Up to Overcome Solutions for Life Today. Dave is, Dave is losing it. <laughs> I think I done lost it. Oh my gosh, what a couple of weeks. Um thank you for Months, uh, years, yeah. decades. Thank you for thank you for our listeners for uh Tuning into, we had several several more people tune into last week's show, which was actually a repeat of the very first our de- debut show of Entitled to Overcome. Um, and I took uh, last week off and dragged Dave down to take off Friday with me, <laughs> so we didn't do a, a a fresh show last week. And one of the reasons was because I was grieving, and then not just my cat, but just stuff. I mean, sometimes. You're bebopping along life, and you're dealing with the, the, as Shakespeare would say, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, and you're doing pretty good. And then something like one of your furry friends passes away, and yeah. everything becomes, you just get really, you know, your skin crawling, and your heart's broken. The and box gets smaller. Yeah, and somebody walks by you and says, you look funny, and you start crying. Or you get angry. <laughs> what are you what getting? What do you mean? I'll punch your lights on, you sucker. And it's your wife. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, don't go there. Yeah, don't go um, there. Which is interesting because uh, we're going to be talking about grief and loss. Uh, we did a show on this on Monday's show here uh, a few months ago. And I, I, I think it definitely bears uh, talking about it with... Um, with you, Dave, uh, somebody that works in uh, in the field of uh, recovery from addictive illness, uh, you know, grief is no respecter of people. It happens to everybody. It's just the way it is. But before we talk about grief and loss, we've got, I think, Cecil, do we have some ice-breaking stuff? Well, I'm certainly glad you asked because it's time to take some ice and break it because, well, it's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker. Ouch. I think I cut myself. Did you? Yeah, you got to be careful. We just put a, we just put a, a new roof on our uh, porch out here and couple of the pieces of that corrugated whatever that garbage is they used to use it's it's made out of fiberglass i did not i did not realize that now it's made out of pvc material so you don't and i'm like what is going on i got all these bumps on my arms why am i itching oh it was horrible anyway well i i uh i saw your post and that's awesome that you you know you got you got some friends that stepped up to help you yeah some celebrate recovery guys came out and, and did that which was really, really cool. Um, we love Celebrate Recovery. Yes, we do. CR. Uh, so I thought this was interesting. This isn't really funny. It's actually kind of cool. Um, a friend of my wife got this. Kind of like the ice. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry, I just had to. Denver's cowbells. And his goat bell. He's got a goat bell, too. Uh, anyway... A friend of my wife received this notice in the mail from her insurance, her homeowner's insurance policy. Mm. And I'm like, it's about time. 
Uh, this was added to my homeowner's inclusion or exclusion, rather, exclusion of coverage from State Farm. Uh, important notice, effective with this policy term, and then it gives the number, exclusion, controlled substances, including marijuana, is added to your exclusion policy. Um, what what they're saying here, I won't go into reading all the details, but what they're saying in here now with the legalization of marijuana for recreational purposes, but it is still a federal offense, okay? Okay. If your house blows up because... Or burns down. Or burns down because of marijuana oils or any of that kind of stuff, or you get broken into because you got pot plants and they steal your TV and your computer and everything else... State Farm, as well as all other homeowners insurances, are not going to cover it. And they're letting you know, (laughs) you're out of luck, baby. So if your grow lights short out and catch your house on fire, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. You're out of luck. Um, And so uh, the items included here, if it has anything to do with resin, oil, Mm. or wax, hash, or hemp, hemp. So if you've got a sweater vest made out of hemp and you're smoking a cigarette and it catches on fire and burns your house down, sorry, that's just hemp. Wow. Um, I suppose they they could actually figure that out with today's technology. Probably. Infused liquid or edible marijuana. You see a gummy bear exploding in your mouth, burning your house down. Um, Whether derived from any plant or part of any plant set forth in paragraph uh, above or not. We do not cover controlled substances as defined by the Federal Food and Drug Administration. So if it's if it's considered a controlled substance federally, doesn't matter if it's legal, they will not cover it. So that's my brain goes here. <laughs> so if my mm-hmm. house gets broken into, right? right? And they steal all my my eighties heavy metal right. and my TV and my stereo. Right, my, my nice Kenwood. I'm just kidding. I get rid of that. And his stuff. address is right. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, and they come in and, and do an inspection or you know, right, take a report, and they happen to. S- I uh, there's a marijuana cigarette in my ashtray. Right. Uh, does that mean that I can't make a client file a claim? I think I think they're going to have to. The burden of proof is going to be. Well, is it going to be on you or the insurance company? I mean, that'd be a strong they... assumption to say that that you having a joint in your ashtray is what promoted you know prompted somebody to break into your house and steal everything else. Um, but maybe they will try and do that. Insurance companies are ruthless and known for finding loopholes. So. Well, I mean, does it say anything in there about it being anywhere in your house, or is, or are they talking about being a being the cause of whatever? No, because they did say if your house gets broken into and right and yeah. So the following definition is added: marijuana means any good or product that consists of or contains any amount of THC or any other cannabinoid regardless of whether any such TSC or cannabinoid is natural or synthetic, this includes, but is not limited to any of the following. And then I listed what they were. Um, coverage. Uh, let's see the following added. However, we do not, we do not cover drugs legally. Uh, we do cover drugs legally prescribed under federal law and possessed by a person following orders of a licensed healthcare professional. So if you've got a marijuana card, but I mean, lots of people have marijuana cards that aren't supposed to have marijuana cards, but they have them. Uh, I don't know. A liability coverage. Coverage. Uh, just, the cost so of marijuana does not qualify as a necessary medical expense. <laughs> um, section two exclusions. The following. Bodily injury or property damage rising out of the use, sale, manufacture, distribution, delivery, transfer, possession, production, planting, growth, cultivation, harvesting, warehousing, processing, or transportation of marijuana or any controlled substance as defined by the Federal Food and Drug Law, 21 U.S.C., section blah, 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 blah. 
this exclusion does not apply to the legitimate use of legally prescribed drugs under federal law by a person following orders of a licensed care professional. <clears throat> so okay. a lot of those things that it says it won't cover your home, those things are broad terms. Warehousing, processing, transportation. Could that mean taking your joint from one room to the other? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's so, kind of vague. So, so if I'm juicing my cannabis right. because I don't want to get high, I just want to get the medicinal qualities, right. and my blender blows up and catches my house on fire, I'm, I'm kind of not as long as you Not as long as you have it by a doctor's prescription. Because I'm assuming that's what even it, though it, even though it says grow growing, if I'm growing two plants to juice, well, as long as you're growing the legal amount according okay. to medical, uh, the, this exclusion does not apply to the legitimate use of legally prescribed drugs. Okay, I just yeah, just another loophole. So what happens if you're? <clears throat> I guess if you if you're operating a still, because that's illegal. Right, and your still blows up. Are they going to deny your coverage for that, or, or is that just kind of an? Uh, that's just an understood. Oh, if, I you, don't know. if you have a home brewer kit, yeah. Well, people do. Well, people do brew their own beer but beer's and wine. Is legal. Yeah, but you can't make moonshine. I don't know. But anyway, let me just tell you: if you plan. On growing a bunch of pot and selling it and doing all the stuff you're then not you don't supposed need insurance because you got all that money you can just that's right rebuild your house anyway. and if your house blows up and burns down or whatever just know this they're not going to cover you just go out you know go out buy some land and out in the woods and you don't you know whatever <laughs> yay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. I remember how scared I was. I was desperate. I know I was desperate because I wouldn't have called otherwise. I was sick. I was beginning to do things I promised myself I'd never do. There wasn't anyone left who was glad to see me anymore. So I took a chance and called Narcotics Anonymous. You don't have to wait till you're as bad off as I was before you reach out. Narcotics Anonymous, 800-TODAY-NA. That's 800-863-2962. Hey there, it's the Monty Man. Did you know that Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are listener-supported? What that means is we don't receive any financial assistance from advertising products or services that have nothing to do with health or recovery but are supported by you, our listeners. Any other promotions we commit to are purely our way of sponsoring other endeavors we feel are beneficial to the recovery community. Well, one thing we have learned all too well in our second decade of broadcasting is that we receive not because we ask not. Therefore, three times a year, we come to you, our listeners, for help. Because we are listener-supported, we depend on your donations to keep us on the air. For over 14 years, our listening audience has helped us to do just that. And once again, we are asking for your support. If you feel that Take 12 Recovery Radio is a valuable part of breaking the stigma of addiction and a resource of recovery from the world's number one health crisis, we ask that you consider becoming a Take 12 partner to donate any amount or to sign up for a reoccurring monthly donation simply visit our website at take12radio.com and scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the donate button all proceeds go directly to pay for our expenses to continue to bring you the best in recovery talk and positive music won't you consider partnership today Thank you, and God bless. Welcome back to 
the Monty Man and Dave Fleming sitting here across from each other talking about grief and loss. A huge thank you to everybody who responded on social media to the question about grief and loss. One of, one of the things, for the most part, about 99.9% of everybody referred to um, losing somebody to, to death. Uh, there were a couple of losses of uh, grieving, grieving their, their past control issues or grieving having to pay bills or that kind of thing. But for the most part, didn't you find, Dave, that most of the responses had to do with losing somebody that was close to them? Yeah, I, th- I think that's typical. I mean, that's sure. the first thing we we think of when we think of grief and loss. We think of, of death, someone dying. Um, and so that's, I mean, I, I had a lot of people respond to, I asked, you know, what is your biggest struggle in long-term recovery? And, you know, uh, 75% of them said death. You know, so which ties into basically how I relate to that is grief and loss, and how do we, and how does it, how do we look at that, and uh, especially in recovery, um, and how that affects us, you yeah. Know, whether we got, you know, thirty days or thirty years, right, right, and so with, with over twenty years of sobriety, uh, under my belt the grief and loss I experienced the last couple of weeks wasn't any more pleasant, you know? Right. I mean, uh, losing, losing, uh, Christy having to, uh, send her off to cross the rainbow bridge. Um, that was painful. And it, and it, it, it hit me harder than I thought it would. Um, I can understand losing Nala our dog hitting me really hard, because I've been, I guess, more interactive with her. Cats right. are kind of independent, right, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it, it hit me pretty hard yesterday. Went out, went out to the crematorium and picked up her, her ashes, and uh, set her on the dashboard and let her ride <laughs> ride home on the dashboard. That was you know, nice of you. And, 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 and I found myself tearing up as I was riding home, and I was like, "Wow, um, well, you know, praise God anyway." You know, and, and uh, but not to minimize losing a pet, but when you're talking about people that you've lost, maybe you've sponsored them, right? Maybe it was your sponsor. Yeah, uh, that's huge. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of people, especially like in AA, uh, you know, we we try to find somebody um, that is older than us. It has more experience than us. And as we age, they age. And yeah, <clears throat> it's inevitable. My buddy, you know, Mike, he, he was, he was talking about that and he, you know, he says they, they kind of age out, you know, they get to a certain point. Right. And, you know, they pass away. And if we're older, you know, um, those people that are our sponsors that may be 10 or 20 years older than us, uh, that are yeah. that example, uh, they pass on. Sometimes it's hard to, to wrap your brain around that because you start looking at, well, man, uh, how many I've lost all these people. And sometimes it happens in waves. You know, you get the the old happens in threes, right? Um, it's weird. I don't I don't understand how that works, but it always seems like there's at least three that that are in a row, uh, some significant death or some kind of tragedy in your life. Um. But it makes you think sometimes it's like, man, what's, you know, what's going to happen next? You know, especially if you're getting up there. Right. And you start losing classmates. Right. People your own age. Your mortality. Right. Um, This week also, my cousin who grew up with me, she passed away. She's my my same age. Yeah. Uh, Last year, my sponsor of 28 years, uh, who was also a co-host on this show, Bruce H., he passed away. Uh, he was struggling with uh, congestive heart failure and that kind of thing. He was quite a bit older than I was. But you start seeing those people in your life that you're close to, and especially if you're within 10 years, you go, you know, when's my ticket up, right? You start thinking about And I was. I was thinking about, okay, first thing I need to do is I need to get a new binder out and write down all the passwords and account information. <laughs> it's all the radio station stuff, so my wife has it. Right, right. <laughs> right. Mine's all in. Mine's all in code words in case somebody finds my ledger. Right. They they can't figure it out anyway. So 
I have to I have to figure out a way to do the same thing so that you know my wife put it in a safety deposit box or something where or teach her how to decipher well, the code. It, you're a certified alcohol and drug counselor. You ought to know about codes. <laughs> Bada bing. <laughs> there goes the ice again. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, yeah. Go ahead. I don't know. And since I, I uh, you know, came into into being in recovery, I had to look at uh, other other grief grieving issues or, or losses. You know, that was one of the well, that's probably the fourth treatment center I went to. But you started talking about things like that, like the the uh, grieving over your addiction, right? You know, because our Saying our drug of choice your, yeah. was like our mistress and our best friend, and you know, it was uh, everything. Um, Turn right, it was, and there is some process in in grieving that, you know, especially early in recovery, trying to get get through all that. And it's like this is this is how we deal with stuff. Now you got to tell me, I gotta, I can't, I can't use it anymore. I got to do. The only thing I have to change is everything, <laughs> right? And you may have been, you may have had a regiment of activities you did from right. the time you woke up to the time you went to sleep, if you went to sleep, right? That was surrounded around drug right. use and that group of people. And people think, well, what's the big deal? You're leaving that behind. Yeah. You should know, be what's, happy. What's the big deal? Right. Well, I'm, I I know this is going to sound weird, but even when I lived on the streets for 18 years. I made close friends. They weren't healthy friends. They were toxic friends. But to the degree that we were able to, we took care of each other. Right. And when I left that that world, I didn't understand why I was so hurt inside. But there was a part of me that that was part of my life. Well, it's that uh, it, you're all sick together and you're helping each other get through that by sharing, right? Right. Usually sharing your drugs and alcohol. But it's it's comforting, and then once you have to break free from that, uh, a lot of times you don't have that same thing in sobriety. You have to be proactive and go out and seek it out. Yeah, it doesn't just happen. You know, uh, it's easy to get find a bunch of people that want to sit around and get high, sure. but it's not always easy to find people that want to sit around and 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 help each other grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so, so you know. There, there's uh, other things that you know other that I get reminded of that are not death related either. You know, besides uh, you know addiction, you know, loss of opportunity, loss of family, career, uh, lifestyle, um, internal issues, dignity, self respect, uh, trustworthiness, integrity. Yeah, and there's all that. I mean, uh, addiction is just part of it. But I mean, what we could lose our self respect, our self esteem. Our, uh, you know, trustworthiness, self worth, right? You can go out the window and having to rebuild that, you know, is can take some work. It's worth it though. So, what happens when 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 you when you're grieving several things at one time? Like some of some of the listeners wrote, uh, one gentleman, uh, uh, Donald R. He was he was divorced in recovery, and and then he lost his son. just three years ago, uh, Dave T was 18 months sober when his younger sister died. And then his mother, two weeks later, I mean, you, you get hit, boom, boom. You talk about things happening in three. Sometimes they're, they are directly associated with us. Right. One after another, after another. Um, in fact, Dave said, taught me a lot about the staying close to the program in troubled times. Okay. So that's a that's a solution oriented thing, right? I mean, right. you're staying in the middle of the herd. You're 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 not because what we do oftentimes when we're grieving, when we're angry, when we're hurt, or whatever is we pull back, right? Isolate. Instead of press in, we don't want to bring everybody else down when we're you know whatever, right? And it's yeah. Well, that's the great thing about being in in recovery, at least in my experience, that if I put myself out there. And ask for help. I'm going to get the help that I need. Yeah. If I don't, it's not going to happen. People can't read your mind. Right. And I spent a lot of years isolating because I didn't want people, let people into my bubble to really know what's going on. What were you afraid of? 
I wasn't afraid of anything. The pro the the, the issue I had is like uh, I, I didn't trust anybody. You know, there's probably some abandonment issues. Um, so were you fr- afraid my, of being betrayed? Uh, I think there's probably some of that. Because abandonment issues are they're powerful, powerful things. Well, and it's you know not having anybody else besides myself, right? Uh, to take care of things. Yeah, you know the old. Uh, you know, if everybody would just do things my way, everything would be fine. You know, a little, you know, con- a little controlling, well, self-centered. That's you know, true for me. Maybe some narcissism. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it's it, it it worked for a long time. It's like if I want, you know, I get fell into that. It may be a generational thing, but it's like. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself because no one is really going to else is going to care whether or not it gets done or not. So why waste all that time and ask somebody to help? Then you have to go and fix it. Right, <laughs> right. You might as well just do it yourself and get it over with. And that usually comes from experience of people letting you down, not following through. Thinking they know what they're, you know, everybody knows the guy that was going to fix your car and then he got under the hood and he ruined everything. It's just like, you know what? Just leave me alone. Let me deal with my life on my own. Well, yeah. And it's, it just, it made things a lot easier, you know? Uh, So what changed? Well, it, 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 it's kind of that caveat, whereas if you don't, you know, you don't ask for help. Uh, you kind of protect yourself, but the problem is, is you can't grow and you can't change and, unless you do ask for help. But you're limited on what you can do, mm. right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like leaning on your own understanding. It's going to only get you so far, right? I mean, I suppose you could, you know, I've got books. I read tons of books, and I haven't read probably a tenth of them, but they look good on my shelf. And you know, sure. it's like the whole knowledge thing is like. You can have as much knowledge as you want, even if I read them all, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't apply it. It's the same thing with working the program. You can have all the information. You can know what to do. You know, you can even uh, recite the Bible backwards and forwards, but if you're not putting it into practice, it isn't going to do you any good. You can teach (laughs) everything out of the big book from cover to cover and have no clue on applying and implementing it in your life. But you're a great teacher, and people say, wow, that guy's a great sponsor, he's this and he's that, and they ne- and they may never know that you're miserable inside. Well, I, th- I think it comes out. Eventually, right? It, it comes out. You can't do a, any program by just telling somebody how to do it. You have to, right. have, they have to lead by example. Yeah. Uh, it. And it it comes out no matter what you do. So when we're grieving, there there's actually a a, a cycle, right? Yep. Share that with us. Uh, there's a, a some of you may be familiar with uh, this this person, this Swiss psychiatrist uh, Elizabeth uh, Kubler Ross, uh, wrote a book De- on death and dying in 1969. Uh, she outlined the phases of grieving as follows. Denial is number one. Right? We try to dismiss the brutal reality. Uh, it's just a natural defense system that helps us ease the first wave of emotional pain. It's this com- isn't happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're just kind of, you know, you're thinking about being numb, right? It's like, you know, sometimes you, you, you don't have any emotions, especially if uh, years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Of drug and alcohol abuse, your emotions are kind of numbed, and sometimes when this happens, when you lose somebody or something, um, it's almost like being numb, like you don't show any emotions. There's, you know, some people just don't show emotions, and and people will say, well, they don't, they're not really sad. It wasn't that, yeah, right. It's not that big of a deal. Um, so I wonder if I'm wondering this because the day following. Christy crossing over the rainbow bridge I came into the studio and I looked over to where she usually laid that night and I said good night Christy girl I wonder I wonder if that in a kind of a way was a form of denial because I was very early in the process sure yeah in my head she was kind of still there right but she wasn't it's that you know that disbelief like I you know 
And it soothed if, me. It if, soothed me to say that. Yeah. Yeah. If I, you know, just act as if uh, she'll she'll just she'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Magically so, appear. She, she'll she'll uh, you know she'll be. That was just her her eighth life, right? Now right. she's got one more. Right. 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 She'll come back. Hmm. Yeah. It's. Um, I wonder if people when people build shrines because everybody grieves in different ways, and some people. They'll get rid of everything that belongs to the other person. Some people will hoard everything and sometimes even build a shrine. <laughs> and I'm wondering if, yeah, I wonder if that's a, a part of I, I, you know, I wish this psychiatrist was sitting here. I could ask her about that. Right. Well, it, I don't know if necessarily they call it a shrine, but I guess you, you could use that term. Um, my, we had this cat uh, named Mo, short for Motel, because we, <laughs> that's where she, actually she found us. Okay. We were, we we spent a, a weekend in a, in a motel and this cat walked into our room. Right. And basically never left. We oh my goodness. A, she looked like she had just had babies and we went to try to find, and we couldn't find it. It looks like some, maybe somebody just dumped her off. Anyway, so we, she ended up, you know, becoming our cat and she lived. You know, we weren't sure how old she was at the time, but, you know, she was probably lived 20 years. Yeah. And um, it was my wife's cat. My wife was devastated. And uh, we had her cremated. And we had this little, uh, it was an older house, and it had this little kind of cutout in the wall. Yeah. Um, Little recessed place. Yeah, they must have had, I don't know what they had in there, but that became like, uh, Mo's spot, you know, we put her, yeah. we had a picture of her and we had her ashes and then we had even had these little lights. Oh, know? really? These little battery yeah. up and operated yeah. lights look yeah. like candles yeah. on either side. And it was just, it was comforting. Like Mo's still kind of hanging out yeah. and, and watching out over us. And, but she, we had the picture of her where, where she had this like canopy thing and it was all right. Pretty, you know. Um, yeah, we spoil our animals. Well, I have, and you'll see it when you leave today, but in the studio over on the shelf, you can't see it from where you are, but Christy's up there, Sakima, our first dog, which was a large dog, so it's quite a large container. <laughs> my mother-in-law, I don't know what part of my mother, it might be her big toe, I don't know, but it's not a very big urn, it's just a little tiny thing. <laughs> uh, and Christy's picture, and so I got this little shelf. Yeah. And I was I was going to take Christie's ashes and spread them over by the tree that she used to lay at all. I haven't been able to bring myself to do it yet. <laughs> but in a in a way, you know, that's kind of a I don't know. Well, it's it's like it's healthy, it, isn't well, it's, it? It's, it's I think okay. so because it's like your family, right? In your house, you have pictures of your family on the wall. Right. So what's the difference between having that and pictures of your dog and you know, maybe a little shelf with their, you know, their memorials. I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, if that's your, if you're, you know, like worshiping it and you're like, well, that's a little weird. That's a little, yeah. Uh, or if you're snorting, it, what was it? One rock, <laughs> rock, or which will remain nameless, snorted his dad's ashes wow. or whatever. It's a little weird. All right. So, denial, then what happens? Uh, so, then the second uh, uh, phase is anger, right? We try to uh. blame, blame something or someone. Uh, uh, this can include, include feeling guilty or blaming ourselves for the situation. Guilt is a very powerful feeling that can lead lead to relapse. You know, the, the usually the first one is we blame God, right? Sure, it's God's fault. If yeah. God, you know, if there if was God, God love me, right? If there was a God, why would He let this happen to good people? I mean, we, that's the first thing that oh, yeah. everybody we hear it all the time. Like, yeah, um, is anything to like get away from just the, the normal, reality, normal of, part of life? Yeah. Um, especially if it's if it's a death and it's unexpected, or it's a job and it's unexpected, right? Sure. And next, you know, you're everything, you know, you're all, you know, set to, you know, maybe retire in five years or something, and you've got it all this retirement plan. Oh, you think that promotion's and coming? You <laughs> come to the work, yeah. You come to work, and they say, you know, they hand you an envelope, and they say, sorry, but we got to we got to lay you off, and you're like, uh, uh, uh. Right, and so that's the first thing, you know. Maybe after the shockwave as it wears off, is that you get angry. You bet. It's like you know, what the heck am I going to do now? And how dare they? You know, look at all I've done for this organization. What the blah blah blah. You know, pretty soon you got a whole inventory of where they screwed you over, right? Right. 
Here's but but a week week before that, you're going. I love my job. I love the people I work for. It's just a one. I'm getting a promotion next week. You're all full of praise, and then bam, you get the pink slip. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it and it, I think that depends on the degree of of how you go through these things. Sure, is based on on where you're at in your recovery process or just in the life process. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's there may be a few people out there that maybe aren't in recovery. I don't know. Um, that have loved ones that are in recovery that maybe listen to the show too, that go through the same same exact thing, and it just matters on where you're, how healthy you are spiritually, on uh, how you're going to handle handle these situations. Uh, and the next one is number three, uh, bargaining, right? Oh what, yeah. What if you know? Only if uh, if I you know if I would have uh, you know been there, or if I would have done this, or. You know, if I wouldn't have done that, this would happen, you know. God changed things and I will never do this again. <sighs> well, that, yeah, that, that, you know, that's that's the old foxhole prayer, right? Right. Just get me out of this one and I'll never do it again. Bring bring them back to life and I'll be a better dad or a better son or a, yeah. Right. Yeah, you bet. Uh, number four is depression, right? Uh, worry about the tangible and practical things like how we will deal with uh, reality, bills, family, and friends, and then personal sadness and heartbreak uh, we experience when losing someone we love and care for. It is a feeling of uh, emptiness, uh, a time of loss, grief, and pain. Um, yeah. Um, good example is oftentimes you hear of uh, one spouse passing away and the right. and the second one passes not too long after that exactly. one exactly yeah uh, kind of, you know they talk about you know dying of a broken heart you know being without their you know their loved one or their sweetheart mm-hmm. um, is especially if if you've spent uh, a long time with them you know you bet it's like now yeah. what? What, 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 what you know it's like what do i do right right you know? and you know and it it, it always my ears perk up a little bit and I and I feel for the person whenever I hear somebody say I can't live without so and so or they're my one and only they they are number one in my life well first of all hopefully God's number one in your life and they're your number two not your number one but I I I see this especially within recovery circles people getting into relationships looking for that that peace to fill only that only God can fill and putting their whole life into another person, and that's emotional dependency, not emotional sobriety. Yeah. And then something happens to that person. Perhaps they relapse. Perhaps they die in a relapse. Perhaps we went, Denver and I went and said, we'll see you in two years to a good friend of ours in court yesterday and watched how his and his wife and he hugged and the tears flowing from her eyes, you know. Uh, what's she going to do right now? Thankfully, she knows God. She's got a relationship with God. But there are people that go to go to jail. You know, what do you do? I mean, and, right. and I, in this depression thing, do you think in this cycle that when the depression hits, this is perhaps the beginning of experiencing the reality of it all? Right. Well, that, that, you know, that kind of leads into number five, which is acceptance, right? Mm. Uh, and not to mistake it with uh, agreements. Last phase of the grieving process, sometimes in, sometimes indicated by a person uh, acting withdrawn, but also very calm. This is not a period of happiness, far from it. It's a period of time when a person accepts the reality and slowly adapts to a new life and starts preparing to move on. You know, when you're talking about, we're talking about the depression and acceptance and, and uh, whether or not we have a connection with God or not, I think... Uh, it's important. One of the the things that I uh, like to work on with 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 anybody that I work with, uh, either you know on, on the job or out, yeah. outside of the job, is is look at the balance in your life. Right? You can't have your your life can't revolve around one person. You have to have balance. Like you you have to have time for for yourself. They have to have time for themselves. You have time together. If you have kids, you make time to spend with each one individually. Uh, you spend it time as a family, but you also have friends on the outside, right? right? 
friends and family that you connect with and stay connected with so that uh, those relationships, you have some kind of relationship outside the family so you can lean on those people so you can rely on those people so you have some, some backup. Where if we we don't have anybody but one person, like what happens? Um, I know back in my addiction, um, you know, me and my wife were separated for almost six years. And in the beginning it was like, you know, like now what? Yeah. Right. It's like, uh, it's, it's almost like you, you're, it's like, what do I do now? I'm like every part of my being was basically spending time with my wife or my kids. You feel paralyzed? I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Sit on the couch and stare at the TV and. Wait, See, I could fall. I could fall. The clock right, ticking. I could. I could hit that depression mode and then bounce right back into denial, going, "This, this really isn't. This isn't as bad as it seems. This can't be really happening." I'll call her up and it'll be all right. We'll work it out. Right. Or, or thinking that you know I'm stronger than this. Right. Right. I. I. This is you know I can't be. This can't be me. I got. I got things to do. I got people to take care of. I got a job. A job to do. I got a business to run. You know whatever. Right. Um, I got, I got a farm, right? I got all these employees. I got animals. I got mm. crops. I got to get out. What do I, I, I can't go through this. Um, and, and so I, sometimes we get into this, you know, that goes back to the bargaining, which is important to think about. This isn't like a, a list that you work through. This can, bo- this, this can be fluid. You can go back and forth. It isn't you know, necessarily you, in an order. Right. You can right. go to depression and then go back to denial and, you know, yeah. it, it, uh, it's, it's a pretty fluid. Our experience all of it be. in one big bolt. <laughs> right. To where it's so overwhelming that it debilitates you and you end up in the hospital. Right. I mean, I've seen that happen to people where they're, they're become canatonic. Yeah, I've seen it. I've had people in my family that have, they just basically stare at the wall. Right? Cuz it's like what you know, what do I do? My comfort zone's gone. Yeah. You know, or hmm. the, the person that I that I lean on or that I that rely on, my other half is is not here anymore and what do I do? And uh can be a can be a scary place. And grief can be one of the major triggers of relapse, right? Sure. And um you got to think about what we can do to go through that without jeopardizing our recovery. And I think having a strong uh, recovery program, a strong support system, uh, is the first thing. And we talk about <clears throat> what I learned in my in my walk in my recovery is I need when I go to meetings, I got to find a meeting that has they have a phone list, and there's somebody that uh, is in charge of making phone calls. So if someone doesn't show up to a meeting or if there's people that haven't come for a while, um, take, everybody takes turns and calling those people to say, hey, how are you doing? Can I, you know, do you need any help or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's important because then there's that, you know, we don't always like accountability, but it, it comes into play when these when these things happen. Right. Um and we, if we practice this, when the things eventually come into play, we're better prepared for it. You know? Have you ever had that happen where you were had to be gone for a period of time for whatever reason, and somebody in your fellowship did call you and say, "What's up, Dave?" Um, no, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I went to I I went to meetings. Uh, every day for almost two years, and then I was involved in everything. But I think it was because um, I didn't want that to happen. Now, I, it's happened to me at church. Yeah. Where if I don't show up at church, uh, someone might call me and say, hey, what's what's going on? Um, I know for me in my program, I had to plug myself into a lot of uh, different things. So I had responsibilities, right? Right. So people counted on me. I had to show up. Okay. And so that was part of my recovery process is um, typically I would, would isolate. 
Um, or I would take on too much and then I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't do it or I wouldn't show up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in that, in change, you know, changing everything, if I make that commitment, um, I have to show up. Right. Right. I have to be, you know, I have to follow through. And if somebody else um, falters on their commitment, um, I have to be able to, would be willing to step up and cover them because I would want them to do the same thing for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and then try to find out what's. What's so going on? so it, it's important, I think, let's just talk for a second about your recovery fellowships, the, the listeners' recovery fellowships, our recovery fellowships. It's important not to assume that somebody doesn't – don't assume somebody doesn't want you to call. Don't assume somebody is out maybe using or whatever. I'm not suggesting we chase after people that don't want to be found. I mean, the big book talks about, you know, if somebody doesn't want to do this thing, go to somebody else that does. But – I have to tell you, in over 30 years of attending 12-step fellowships, I've only one time, and a guy's name was Mike, Mike D., called me up and says, you know, haven't seen you in about a month. Are you okay? Right? And he wasn't he wasn't even a close friend. Yeah. Um, but that's one time in all those years. Right. And, and however... Where my place of worship goes, I've had people call me on several occasions. But you're right. A lot of it had to do with the fact, hey, you're supposed to open the door. <laughs> or you're supposed to do this. Right. You're supposed to do that. Well, and, and it's it's kind of uh, either overtly or covertly or whatever, understanding that if you put your name on the on the list right. and your phone number, you expect to get a phone call sure. at some time or another. I've had people call me off the meeting list to ask if they could get a ride. I've had that to another meeting, or sure. maybe they needed they 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 know that I you know work on cars or whatever, and they called up and said, "Hey, I'm, I need help with you know X Y Z whatever." Right, right. Um, I've had I've had plenty of those yeah. too, but but as far as like anybody checking up on me, nah, not really, you know. And I'm not I'm not mad about that or hurt about that. It's just interesting to kind of note. And may, maybe we could do a little better with that. Sometimes I think, you know, there's a there's a, a story in, in the good book about the shepherd. They, you know, one little lamb goes off. He leads he leaves the entire group and he goes out and finds it. Yep. You know, sometimes we need to be. I mean, listen, uh, rabbis, pastors, priests. 12-step GSRs, I mean, whatever. Maybe we could be a little more attentive to the people in our circles and notice, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so's face right. for a while. And pick up the phone. Well, and, we have to we have to practice that in our daily life with everything that we do. You bet. Uh, I'll give you an example. This just happened yesterday <clears throat> uh, of just, you know, being kind and doing the, the next right thing, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we were at Safeway, and um, they're – you know, the three is a crowd thing, right? They opened up another lane and instead of, I mean, we could have just went in there and, and checked out our stuff, but we let this, this one lady go. She was right. one of those little putt-putts, you know, putt-putt wheelers, you know, yeah. disabled. Know well. <laughs> and then there was a kid behind her and he had like a, bo- a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew and he's like, you know, go ahead. And, I, and you know, we've got, you know. We're going to be 15 minutes. I said, we're going to be about 15 minutes. Right. You're like two seconds. So you right. go ahead and go. Right. And so he gets up, he gets up there and he's, he's short uh, on the amount. Oh, and okay. So I said, I said, here, let me, I said, let me take care of that for you. So I, I paid for his, I paid for his soda and he, he's like, thanks. And I said, you don't have to thank me, man. Just pay it forward. Right. Right. Go. Right. Whenever you have an opportunity in the future and you can go help someone else, and then the lady's like, "Well, you know, tell, asking the kid, do you do you play Monopoly? Do you want your Monopoly tickets, right?" <laughs> and he's like looking at her like a deer in the headlights. And he's, I said, "Hey, man, if you don't want them, I'll take them because I play the Monopoly game." Okay, right? Yeah, and he's like, yeah. he goes, "No, I don't play the game," and but go ahead, right? And so that was like, you know, yeah. kind of. Yeah, kind of leading by example, sure. of, you know, paying it forward and, sure. you know, and so it was neat and uh, to to be able to do that. You know, I was with my wife, so I'm, you know, she's all proud of me and everything. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is what, but I do it all the time. So yeah. it's not like anything that shocks her. Um, but ever since uh, day one of my, my new life, you know, being, 
with my obsession being removed and being being in you know mm-hmm. Sa- mm-hmm. saved uh that's that's how I've had to live my life i mean i've been yeah. te- i've been tested all the time um so it, it almost becomes a natural thing doesn't it it's like it's well, like you feel weird if you don't do that i mean it's like i could no more litter now then turn myself into a rock. I mean, I, yeah. it's just not in me. But it, before recovery, before my relationship with God, I'd throw paper out the window. I wouldn't even think twice about it. <laughs> I can't bring myself to right. do it. Well, we used to have this uh, uh, this radio station um, uh, in Minnesota, KTIS, and they had this drive through difference thing going on. And so if you go to, like, Starbucks or yeah. you know, whatever coffee sh- drive through coffee thing, the idea was you had a thing that they printed out uh, from the radio station that basically, you know, said what you're doing and you would um, get your order and then you would pay for the person behind you. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Or, you know, if you had, if you paid with a 20 and there was some money left over, you would say, hey, apply it to the, whatever you could do. And, um, <clears throat> and so it, it was interesting because then people would call in the radio station and share their experience on the, on how that worked. Mm. And um, that was kind of a way that helped people to try to pay it forward, do something right. for somebody else without them even, without even knowing the person, <coughs> you know, I had a sneeze. <laughs> okay. I thought, man, that that's a great idea. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And one day I'm driving and God just totally convicted me. Like go to Go to Starbucks this morning, and I don't, I'm trying not to plug Starbucks, but um, so uh, <laughs> he says, you know, go go do this, and right. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I need I need to go do that, but I don't have the letter, so I, you know, I'm like, right, and and I, I feel like God's telling me, we'll do it anyway, do it anyway. I'm like, okay, so I get up there, and I get up to the, I get up to the window, and the person in front of me paid for my order. Oh my goodness. Right, and I'm just like, wow, right. So then I'm like, cool. So that I, they kind of set the stage, yeah. So then I paid for the order of the person behind me, yeah. And you know, kind of just went on. Dude, that is ha- this last year, in 2017. When I say last year, ha- that happened to me twice in McDonald's. Yeah, where I pulled up to pay, and they go, "Oh, that's been paid for," and I'm like, "What?" You know, I'm looking ahead. I'm trying to say, do I recognize that car? You know, and all this. And I didn't. Right. It, it's a trip. So, you know, what I'm hearing here is because we're, we, believe it or not, we're out of time. What I'm hearing here is if we will pay attention, if we'll be aware of people around us who may be grieving, who may be experiencing loss. Sometimes they don't need a lecture. Sometimes they don't. They just want a handshake. Sometimes they just want right. a smile. Sometimes they just want to. They they want to be asked. You know, can I can I can I help you with anything? I, I mean, a, a meal. A, you know, right. Sometimes if we're just aware, if we'll just reach out, right. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot. You know, there's people that actually would buy would pay for people's groceries, and you hear stories all the time. It's like, man. You know, I got up there and I realized I didn't have my, I didn't have enough money to cover this. Yeah, and, that's and it just happened that somebody uh, blessed them by paying for their groceries. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to hear stories like that all the time. It was inspiring, and it's like, yeah, this is the stuff that we need to do, right? You need to anytime anybody is is in need, and all you have to, they don't have to ask for it. You just, you just know, you pay attention, right? You know, because I've and, been that little kid. Me too. And I'm like, you know, and, and not having enough money. And then, you know, well, you got to put it back. Right. Yeah. And so I know I know what that's what that feels like where you think you have enough to cover it mm-hmm. and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I hear I hear you. So if you're not grieving, pay attention to the people around you. Right. If you are grieving, it's OK to let people know. It may be really hard to do that, but, uh, you know, when somebody does say, hey, Fred, how you doing? It's perfectly okay to say, I'm not doing too well. Right. Oh, thank you. For, uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. One of my pet peeves is, you know, how you doing? Fine. Yeah. How's it going? Fine. It's like, really? I, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's okay, okay to say that. To you know, say, you know, right now my life sucks and I'm in a lot of pain, man. Hey, you know what? If you if you uh, are going to put it out there, you should expect to get an answer. You bet. I did that in the grocery store one day. The lady said, hey, how are you doing today? I'm like, do you really want to know? Really know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been the worst day of my life. She last like looked at me like, oh, my gosh. Oh no! I didn't what really I want you to tell me, <laughs> but yeah. So be careful what you ask for. Yeah, there you go. All right. So uh, interestingly enough, um, our closing song is by Hillary Roberts, Roberts, recovery recording artist, a good friend of ours, and it's entitled "Reach Out." Here's Hillary. Awesome. She wakes up every morning, going through the same routine. Coffee and her nicotine In her eyes there's a story A broken home that she's been through Left alone for someone new And she's in need Of a hand that won't let go A love that she can't see And you, you can be the beginning of a change All she wants is to believe Reach out Show her there's a lot of love to go around Yeah, yeah Reach out You can make a difference here and now Oh, oh if you just reach out Hillary Roberts with Reach Out. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with my co-host Dave Fleming, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. And remember, because of God's grace, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.